Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Recap Podcast. If you're not subscribed already, I don't really know what you're doing. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It really means a lot for your boy to help support the show and everything we got going on here. I'm not going to keep you guys waiting. You see him on screen. You already know who I'm talking to. This man is probably one of the greats in terms of broadcasting for the Knicks. You know him from ESPN with Barton on. It's unfortunate, but he's been on every podcast recently. You've seen him on Knicks Film School. He got the invite. Shout out to you for that. Obviously, with uh, Nick Fan TV, he's been with them. Shout out for that interview. And obviously, with MSG Networks, pre-post game. You see him all the time. One of the best guests I've ever had last year and now again this year. I got to say, because I always do. Han Solo himself, Alan Han. What's going on, man? How you doing? Thank you so much for joining the show. <laughs> Glad I can make it and uh, doing well. Just getting ramped up my last quiet weekend before the season begins. And then there'll be no more quiet weekends till, I don't know, maybe sometime late into the spring. We'll see. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I'm very happy to have you here. I know you have a little bit of time with us, so I don't want to keep you too long. But, Ali, you know, I really got to ask. The, the hard part when you do so many interviews like you do is, how do I ask you a question <laughs> That you haven't answered already because you, you answered so many questions already. But one of the questions for me is the New York Knicks and their start of the season with their with their schedule. Because shout out to Bobby Marks, great person from ESPN, actually spoke about the Knicks schedule and stated that their schedule is probably the hardest schedule that they have going on right now in the NBA. At least one of the hardest. And if everybody listening mm -hmm. right now, you know, they can see it on screen. They start off with the Celtics and they have the Hawks. They have the Pelicans with a healthy Zion Williamson, apparently. The Cavs back-to-back, -back, Bucks, Clippers, Spurs with Wimbayana putting on a show, the Hornets, and then they close out that 10th game again against these Boston Celtics. So it is a tough stretch. What do you think of the Knicks' you know, first 10 games? Do you agree with Bobby Marks? Is it one of the tougher schedules in the league? And what do you think their records are going to be? What do you predict it to be after the first 10 games? Well, I mean, I can't make predictions on, you know, on what we're going to see because I really don't know what, you know, what, what we're looking at, right? And you right. want to just see where everybody is when it comes to not just the Knicks, but the opponents and see where, where everybody's at. Early in the season is the goofy part of the year because there are teams, there are guys who feel good, and then there are guys that are still ramping up and trying to get themselves into, you know, game shape. There could be some ugly games, so you just never know in, in, in the early part of the season. Now, I don't know if it's better to get the tough games out of the way or if it's you know like you almost like you dive right in and it's that baptism by fire so it really gets you ready but i also know that you know early in the season you want to kind of figure your game out a little bit and to have to go up against juggernaut after juggernaut is is a very difficult thing to do you got to play him at some point right so i look at it like two ways if you think about it not just the first 10 by christmas They'll have played three games against Boston and three games against Milwaukee. So that means they're pretty much done with the two toughest teams in the East. And then you've got the whole second half of the season left where you don't have to worry about those two teams. Now, there's good and bad to it. The bad is, is if you struggle early against them, they're already an arm's length away. But the good is, is that when they're really finding their game, when they're really you know, figuring out who they are and all that stuff, because, you know, there are some changes in both those places that you don't have to worry about seeing them in the second half of the season. Right. So 
that's the two ways you can look at it, the positives and the negatives. But, yeah, of course, you know, we'll all say, you know, the, the league didn't make it easy for the Knicks, as if somebody <laughs> is twisting their mustache in the league offices saying, how can we screw the Knicks this time? Let's throw – let's make them play the Celtics and the Bucks, and we'll make them play. Yeah. How about Zion while he's still healthy? Let's give him that too. And Wembanyana, yeah, let's send him to the Garden as soon as possible. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I don't think – there's anybody that's plotting that right. but when you do look at the schedule you you definitely got to say to yourself like like damn like that the first 10 games and that's you didn't give them one cupcake is there one easy game on this thing so that's yeah. why as a fan you'll look and you'll cringe but from a team standpoint i think coming off last year second round of the playoffs team that really feels good about itself they need to come into this season the preseason was kind of iffy they need to come into this season hitting hard, sending that message where they're going toe-to-toe and maybe even knocking off a couple of the teams that a lot of people thought would be really good teams. You also got to look at it like this. Those teams are looking going, man, we got to play the Knicks, right? Because, you know, this is not the Knicks from five years ago. This is a good team that has depth, and early in a season, depth is, a, is an important thing just like it is late in the year because you want to try different – matchups and machinations and go with whoever's got the hot hand. So while we are looking at it as a tough schedule, understand that there's also other teams like the Celtics who are going, we got to open against the against the Knicks. Like that's our first game. So right. I, I look forward to the challenge. If I were on the team, if I were running the team, I would look at it as good, good. Let's see what we are right out of the gate. You know, that's a lot of, that, that's a funny thing because I thought when I first saw it, that this is going to be a good test for the Knicks because obviously we heard we heard it right yeah. continuity chemistry building off of that a lot of these teams we've seen it before it doesn't just happen just because we think it's gonna I thought Luca and Kyrie was gonna be magic together but it doesn't just work because it looks good on paper it needs to gel Miami mm-hmm. and LeBron looked good on paper it still needs to gel and it needs time to do that. So I agree. Mm-hmm. You might be able to get some of these teams early on where they're still trying to figure out what they have and how things work and operate. Although <laughs> I think with the Celtics, what we did see the three point explosion that they're capable of. I think, uh, I think I understand why they're, they're going to be good. Yeah, definitely. Milwaukee as well too, yeah. I think, but the Celtics for yeah. me, when, when healthy, I a lot of people have said it. They're, they're six might be the best six in the league when they're all healthy. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it is a capable mm-hmm. team. And the fact that the Knicks see them not only once to start, but to end that 10 game. Oh, it's going to be tough. Um, I can't wait to see what happens here uh, with this. But I agree with you. I think the Knicks, if they play it right and they get off to that hot start and they can beat this test, that the Eastern Conference, the, besides the, the top two teams, That's three, right. four, five, and six, it's open. So hopefully yep. they can jump in mm-hmm. there. And one of the things that, Everybody talks about going into the offseason. You've been part of it as well, too, in terms of talking about it, you know, on your show on ESPN as well, too, with Barton Hahn. It's just regarding the New York Knicks and the, the, the stars they're looking to go after, or how people say it, the ideal trade targets, right? We talk about the Donovan Mitchells of the world, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, even Zion Williamson. Shout out to Mark Berman giving me that soundbite before. Um, you know, uh, Mikael Bridges, OG Ananobi. I mean, I could keep going on. The list of stars that have been linked to the Knicks, not only in this offseason, but even going in to the scene in this trade deadline, it seems to be astronomical. I mean, we've heard Cap, thanks to Stefan Bondi from the New York Post. Joel Embiid's been a common uh, name. Excuse me, name. Who do you think is the most ideal trade target? Or rather, should we even be talking about this 
so close to the season even starting. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. This should not be a conversation. Like, this is – fans love this stuff. This is all part of it. Media likes this as well. When we look at this team and and the continuity that they've been able to establish now going into a fourth straight year, you know, that's all the things that you like about this team. And what Leon Rose has done is that you have – and I've been talking about this at nauseum. I want everybody to understand it. That's why I keep saying it. You do do not take for granted the stability that this franchise – has right now because we do like we we we, it's almost like the team struggled for many years and there was this frustration of you just want to be in the playoffs and you just want to be a good team and you know you're tired of having a team that you just don't have a chance and never on national tv well now you are a competitive team that gets respect that is on national tv that you know has playoff ability that can win a playoff series all those things and it's amazing how we want to pound the easy button again with the next. Well, now let's take the next step. They got to go get a star. That's true. That's true. But let's not start looking right now. This team is good. Like, understand that. This is a good team. And so what you don't do is try to rush the process when you want to advance the cause. Eventually, yes, the white whale has to be caught. They have to find a superstar. Or they have to develop one. One or the other has to happen. Because superstars win in this league. Championship I'm talking about. Right. All right. Nikola Jokic was an MVP for a couple of years. Had to win a championship. Giannis was an MVP a couple of years. He had to win a championship. We all know Steph Curry and LeBron have dominated the past decade. They're the ones winning championships. Why? Because they're MVPs. They're great players. You have to have that guy to get over the top. And so that's why there's always this pursuit of the star player. That's why Kevin Durant, everybody wants him on the team. That's why James Harden is still has people wanting him, even though he can be maddening to deal with. But the Clippers are willing to do it because they know we need stars to win. So that's the next step. But it doesn't mean it has to be a step right now. It has to be the right step, the right fit, the right deal. And that takes patience. And I know that's a word, that's a curse word among <laughs> Nick fans. Because every time I say that, they act like I'm just, I'm new here. Oh, I've been a fan. I've been patient for 20 years. Well, get in line. I've been patient since 1970. All right? right. I was born in 71. I wasn't old enough to see the first championship. No idea what was going on. I was barely two years old. So don't tell me about waiting. I've been waiting. Okay. I sat there in 94 and watched game seven happen, screamed into the pillow. Right, 99 went into a finals where you're like, well, they ain't winning this thing. Like, you knew they couldn't win 99. You knew. Just getting there was such a great accomplishment. But other than that, that's it. Right, that's it. So I understand how frustrated fans are when they hear anyone like me telling them, you got to be patient. But I'm telling you this now because this is when that false step, that, that, that one misstep sticks you back. And you don't want to do that. So you don't rush into a deal because that's a that sounds like an exciting name. Right fit, right time. Think about the people that they've added personality-wise, all right, over the last couple of years. Because this group brought in Randall, inherited R.J. Barrett. They're there. Mitchell Robinson inherited him, right? There's, there's players that have been here. Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, 
Those are key pieces that they've added. Yes, they all have the common thread of being Villanova guys. Right. But there's another common thread about them, and it is a dogged work ethic. It is a, I don't put up, with, I'm not really that interested in all this stuff that comes with playing in New York, the start of the attention. Sure, I'll dabble in it because it's good for, good for my business. <laughs> but when I'm here and I'm, what I'm about is that work, you know, and that's, that's what you want. So you can't now bring in somebody that isn't in that personality and think it's all going to work. So it's got to be the right fit. And that's what I keep saying. And so I'll entertain some names, but I'm telling you, I don't think fans should be focused on this because I don't think the team is focused on this. Right. I personally don't think that they're just like, how do we get, how do we get them? No, they're just listening and waiting for the right opportunity. So like I said, I'll give you a couple of things. So the MB thing. Yeah. And I've, I've been hearing this since the spring, by the way, like this is, you know, when the, when the Sixers were eliminated and all those issues with Harden happened, then all the whispers started to come, you know, he's not going to be, hey, he's not really happy here. And if things don't work out and, you know, then Doc's out bringing a new coach. And it's like, yeah, if they're not going to be about winning, he's going to want to move on. And, oh, by the way, I hear he really would love to play in New York. So it's like, okay, okay, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, all right. But if you're, a, if you use logic, flip it now and let's go to Philadelphia and put yourself in that chair. Why the hell would you trade him to the Knicks? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you send him to a guy? You'd have to see him four times a year. Why? You'd <laughs> right. never make that trade. Never. Right? You'd never make that trade. So just take that, all that, all of the stuff, take that and think of Damian Lillard wanted to play in Miami. Where did he end up? Not in Miami. Just keep that stuff in mind. He's under contract. So that's the one name. Okay. The other name, the Carl Anthony Towns thing. It sounds nice, but as I've asked people before, he and Julius Randle are the same position. And Carlton Towns not really a center. He's not. He's, he's a four. He's a stretch four and a very good one. Look at their numbers, 20, 10, and four. Both, you know, I mean, Carl's a, a little bit higher percentage three-point shooter, but doesn't take as high a volume as Randle does. So Randle takes more. Right. But you're essentially, you, so you'd have to swap one out for the other. So what makes sense? A guy who's starting a $200 million extension whose availability is very low because of history of injuries. Right. Or Randall, who plays 95% of the games, gives you comparable stats, always available to you, not nearly the amount of money that Carl Anthony Towns is making. So, you know, what do you do there? I just don't – I think that I think Randall and the continuity of him and Brunson, like they all have played together. They know each other. You would disrupt all of that with a move that would be essentially the same, same stats, and a guy who's not always available, right? So, am I looking? Am I pushing for a deal like that? I, I don't. I'm not. And then the third one is the Donovan Mitchell name. That's one I'm on record for saying last year. I really wanted to see them make this move. I, I thought right. it would have been a great fit. I thought it'd been a great move. I still think he wants to play here. Yeah. And I think at some point Cleveland's going to come to the real the realization by him telling them they're not going to be able to sign him to an extension. He does want to play home. And then they'll have to make a decision on do you let him walk or do we trade him and get something for him while he's still under contract and has value. That's down the road, though, everybody. That's not October. That's not November. So that's also down the road. 
the OG Ananobi style, like that's he he's a good player. I wouldn't put him in the star category. That's not a that's not a move that makes you go, oh, they're a championship contender now, right? right. Like so I'm not looking at those kind of names. So the point I'm trying to make here in a long-winded way, because I've been <laughs> I've been on this campaign trying to tell Nick fans, can you just sit down and enjoy a team that's gonna be competitive right. and good and not start thinking about who who we can sell off and give away? Like let this thing <laughs> that has grown over the last couple of years, have some time to build off of what they did yeah. at the end of last season, see where it goes. And then of course, when names start to surface, when a team's, when a player or a team is like, now it's official, this guy wants out. Okay. Now you've got some assets and the ability to get involved and see if you can make a deal, but that's not going to happen right now. That's not going to happen in the next couple of months. It might not even happen during this season. That's a next summer probably conversation so that's all i'm talking about when people have asked me about these names and all these things that what about this guy what can they trade for that guy and i look at them and i go this is not the time the start of a season right. is not the time to start thinking about like it's a, you're on your honeymoon and you're already thinking about the divorce and who <laughs> you're going to marry next like come on now like come on so that's oh, all i'm my. saying about that stuff doesn't mean nothing's going to happen ever. Right. It just means that I think there's still a lot of patience from this front office. They have they have shown you that. Yeah. And I think as a fan base, we have to the fans have to understand that too, that it isn't an easy button to hit, and suddenly you're just a, a, a team that's going to have five stars on it. It it doesn't. It's not going to be like that with this team. I got to figure out a name for what you just did because we have the Woj bomb. We have like a Han bomb or something like. We need something to define what no. that was because because the thing is that, what no, what you it was just a plea. I was I was I'm pleading from people because it's the, it's everywhere I and it's not just you. It's I'm right. on the street and say, is it, is it, you think the Knicks are going to get Embiid? I'm like what? <laughs> like what? The, the season hasn't even started yet. Like I know the that's I know people have been pushing that of out course. there. I've heard it myself. Yeah. I don't blame anybody in the media for bringing it up because when you hear whispers and see things like that, you definitely want to talk about it. Yeah. But you know, we're, we're, this is, this is down the road, man. Like this isn't now. And, so, and it might not ever happen because as I said, why would the Sixers want to trade the, the, the best the, their franchise piece two hours up I-95? Like, why would they want to do that? It makes it no sense no, for them it, to make that deal. They would want to send him west. That's, what, That's I, what I think. I say, I say to everybody who would listen. I love Joel Embiid. What I want on the team, it's a no-brainer. Of course, you see the talent and the skills that he has. But in terms of would it actually happen, division rival is one. Daryl Morey is a huge other factor this entire thing because he's going to ask for the stars, the suns, and the moon. And if you get yep. Joel Embiid yep. and Jalen Brunson with the you know a couple of spare parts, is is that championship contender? I don't think so. He couldn't do that with with Harden and you know Tobias Harris and uh, you know Tyrese Maxey. If he couldn't do it with well, that I mean, squad, you know, yeah. Let's not go. Let's not go crazy. Right. If, if they got if, if Embiid and Jalen. I mean, come on. I mean, you can you can do a lot of winning with those two guys, but right. I need to know. I need to know the cost. That's what I need to know. I need to know the cost of it. Yeah. And and I also need to know Philly's motivation for it as well. I don't know why they would be they would want to send him out west from yeah. their point of view and they don't you know it's not like he's going to walk he has no control over this he's under contract a very big one yeah so we saw it with dame lillard 
And that's why as much as I hear the whispers, I think it's more, you know, there's some hope right. to, to do something, but I don't think there's a lot of reality in, in doing it. That's, that's just how, and it's not from the Knicks side. This is from the Philly, the Sixers. I don't believe the Sixers would ever want to entertain this. That's all. That's a great uh, piece to take away from this as well, too, just to kind of close it out in this star talk. But just talking about the East now, because now we, we are talking about the Philadelphia situation. They are one of the teams that one of the strong teams last year that now have a big question mark given the whole James Harden situation. We don't know what the effect that's going to have with Joel Embiid and, uh, you know, the team situation. Obviously, they have a new coach in Nick Nurse. A lot of players are very high on Nick Nurse, actually. They love the way, um, you know, in practice, talking very high of how they're utilizing all the players now. So my question now is, if you look at the East in general, who do the New York Knicks uh, have the biggest problem, or if they face them, who do you think is going to give them the biggest issue? I should ask. Well, I mean, you know, again, they 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 play the Celtics well. Uh, I've noticed that over the years, they they just seem to play them well. So mm-hmm. that that is, you know, despite what you saw in the preseason, once again, I mean, you're you're playing, you know, that both teams did the same thing. We're, we we're in a back to back, and we're not sending our main guys to your building to play you because they know they're going to play an opening night. So you never really want to show anything there so you know the Knicks JV went up to Boston and you know they they hung in for a minute I thought Quentin Grimes played great um but then they got smoked which you know the Celtics came out and just were draining threes they looked as good as probably they're ever going to look in the first half of that game um so I don't know now like oh how do they match up now because the Brunson Drew Holiday matchup that's a that's a tough one I mean that's going to be fun to watch um Tatum has really never had good games like against the Knicks. He has struggled against them for whatever reason. And the size thing with Porzingis and and how they're going to look so much different now without Time Lord. You know, Al Horford's a little bit older, but he's still a guy can still knock down those corner threes as maddening as it is. They're just a different look with Porzingis out there. So I think those will be good matchups. Um, I think... I think Milwaukee still is just going to give them fits because of their ability to spread the floor, shoot threes, and how you have to pack the paint against Giannis. Yeah. It's just now it's become a pick-your-poison type of situation. And with Brooke Lopez, he's so good defending the rim. He's so long. He's just hard to play around. And then on offense, he, you lose him. He's out in three-point line <laughs> knocking down rainbow threes. Right. You know, And that's where the Knicks, you know, the, if you make threes, you're gonna, you know, the Knicks are going to have a hard time closing out, especially early in the season. So those teams like that, any team with length and athleticism, I think the Knicks still have a hard time with. But everybody else, we saw how they handled the the Cavs. The Cavs are deeper, yes, but the matchups are still the same. I still think they're better. um, They're better than the Cavs at full strength. I think that's a – but it's still a very good matchup, you know, one through nine when it comes to just looking at the rosters. Philly, I don't know what they're going to be. P.J. Tucker's a year older. Patrick Beverly, I love him, but, you know, he's bounced around for a reason. They're not the same. They don't have Harden, which we don't expect. Maxi, it's it's, it's Kelly Oubre. Like, like, what are they? Did they get better? Did they get worse? Um, What are you getting out of Embiid? How much is he, like, mentally into it after last year? He went all in to be an MVP. So, I still see them, the Knicks, as a top five team. And they could be as good as three. You know, three, four, five to me should be their their target. Right. That's what it should be for them. As far as, of course, being a healthy team, those things can certainly change. 
Right. But I'm looking at them. When you look at rosters, you look at teams and situations. Miami, they they lost a lot of depth. Can't imagine they're going to be the same team. Toronto's going through a transition. Um, I don't know what the hell Chicago is, to be <laughs> honest with you. Orlando, Indiana, these are young teams that you could tell are, are on the on their rise, like they're yeah. on their way. Um, they're scary teams to play because you're so used to them being bad that you might show up and underestimate them, and then they come in and they kick your ass. So you got to be careful. Yeah. So those teams, I think you always keep an eye on. They're they're pretty good teams. But I just like I said, just looking at it, you know the two teams at the top. It's a given. Milwaukee, Boston. They're very good, loaded. Then after that, there's just a group. And you just throw them in a bag and, you know, dump them out and see where they land. But I think the Knicks should be – should look at themselves as a as good as three yeah, and no worse than five. And that's that's what you're hoping for this year. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about – and thank you so much for that answer, by the way, really in-depth. And that's why I love having you on because you're – not only your breakdowns on, uh, on MSG so great, but obviously when you give, uh, you know, answers to questions, so in-depth, details are great. Love all your answers. But one of the things I, I have a not a pick a bow with you per se, but you reported something and I've been trying to I, I don't know, maybe it's my misunderstanding about it. I'm trying to make sense of it. The Paul George situation, the Paul George trade or the trade attempt, I should say, that the Knicks uh, engaged in in the summer, obviously. Right. I remember uh, you had spoke about it on the uh, Barton Han show. And one of the things you mentioned uh, exactly, I wanted to actually quote you here. Um, it said you stated on it that uh, they had a chance to get Paul George. They said it was too expensive they don't want to do it. They've already mm. backed out of that. They talked to the Clippers. The Clippers gave what it would cost. Then Paul George said, but I want an extension. And then they said, we're not mm -hmm. doing that. And they walked away. So Paul George, as far as now, is off the table. And then shout out to uh, Anita Marks from ESPN, who said that the potential deal involved was R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, and three first-round picks. I heard a variation of that with Obi Toppin as well. But my question to you is, because I, what I didn't understand was, it seemed like everything was accepted. And then when Paul George asked for the extension, they were out. Is that how it went? Or did the trade change to where RJ was on the table? And then that plus the extension was where the Knicks said, you know what? I'm out. I'm trying to remember. It was obviously way back. Right. Um, so, you know, details are foggy. And, and just to be clear, I don't report anymore. Like, I'm not a reporter. I haven't right. been a, a reporter since 2011 when I left the newspaper business and got into this business where I put on makeup and talk on TV. So, you know, <laughs> I never try to, I, I never try to frame anything as I'm reporting. I tell right. you what I hear, right. you know, like I, I'm more of like, like that, where it's like, you know, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. And a lot of things you hear can be, you know, it's like 80% accurate, you know, there's all stuff like that, but it's all just conversational, especially on radio. So I just want to make it abundantly clear. It's not like I'm pretending that I'm doing like I did back in my Newsday days where sources are telling me I don't play that game anymore. That's that's for right. Woj and, and Wendy and all those guys. That's their job. Yeah. So what I was saying on the show is in a conversation is I was saying that for the most part, there was mutual interest in getting a deal done. And in the end, there was a lot that it took to get that deal done to make it happen. And one of the things you had to consider was that Paul George was going into his last year. Well, you're not giving up all these pieces for a guy who's going to walk in a year. Mm -hmm. So the conversation has to then involve, okay, then what do we do? Like, so once we, once we get a player, we got to be able to extend them. So now it's, we don't have them for one year and then we're worried about free agency. And 
you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that once once the numbers started being discussed for a guy who's I think he's 34 years old, right. who's been through some injuries, you, you got to realize that it's like, yeah, that, that is definitely like I, if, if he's looking for a max, that ain't happening. Right. Like you're not you're not ready to make that kind of commitment. So you table conversations, you know, and you just move on from there. So th- the best way I can explain it is that way is just like it. it there was there was interest. And he was a great he'd be a great fit, by the way. Great fit. Oh, yeah. As a wing. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, he's perfect. Perfect fit. Right. Yeah. But so now the Clippers know his value. So they want something in return of value. And then you're taking a player who's got one year left. So you now want to see, all right, well, we've got to be able to get you under contract, something reasonable that fits into what we're trying to do with the knowledge that Randall's going to be up soon, need an extension. We know Brunson is on like an unbelievable cheap contract now. I mean, you're getting away with it right now, having a, a guy of his caliber starting at point guard in the NBA, making what he's making. And you've got to pay Emmanuel quickly. So, you know, that's when you get to when 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 numbers and contract extensions are discussed as part of a trade and you realize like yeah it's that's not what we're planning on doing then conversation's over you know and and for now so that's that's what i was talking about back then is just giving people an understanding of when deals are discussed and i remember it was um I forget who said this but recently one of the uh, national reporters said there's there's this thing around the nba that it's like 80% of deals that are discussed never get anywhere. Like there's some pretty major de- deals that are that kicked around and then they just sit on the table and never get finished because you, both sides realize like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. Right. And then they move on. This, this is like one of them. You have a discussion, you get to a point where you see, is this what I want to do? I'm a little hesitant. So, cause I'm giving up some future. And now I've got to pay more than I thought I wanted to pay on an extension. So this doesn't really fit what we want to do. And so that's what I was trying to explain why a deal like that, that seems like such a no brainer doesn't end up happening. Right. And I think that's a First of all, thank you so much for clarifying, because I think that that's really sometimes what gets missed with the Paul George thing, because a lot of times I didn't even think about that. Actually, I don't obviously want to pay Paul George a Mac extension. But if you get him, you'd also want to get him for a rental. Because if you do that and give significant assets up for that, then why did you even do the trade in the first place? So I, I get the, exactly. Yeah, I do get the other side of that. It makes sense for a lot of players. That's why James Harden's situation is so interesting because he's kind of in that same boat. If he doesn't get well, traded to a certain yeah, place, he doesn't want to go to. Right. right. That's the Clippers. The Clippers are in that place right now. Mm-hmm. Like, that deal is an easy deal for the Clippers, right? Easy deal. But yeah. when the Sixers are like, well, we're giving you an all-star player you have to give us a really good young player. Terrence Mann, we love him. He's a starter. We'll take him. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not giving up Terrence Mann <laughs> for a guy that's going to be here for a year and a half. Right. Like, you know, because you think they're extending James Harden for, for four years? No. No. They're extending James Harden for as long as Kawhi and Paul George are there. And then they'll hit the reset button. Yeah. So, you know, if there's, you know, a year left on ball, right, we'll give you an extra year. Like, but they're not going long term with James Harden. So for them, it's like, we're getting this guy, but I'm going to give up a, a, a young player that we love, that we want to have around, that we want to be part of what we're doing yeah. for a guy we might have for a year and a half. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. So that's what the holdup is in the, in the Harden deal. It, it's That deal could be done tomorrow if the Sixers would understand that 
you are dealing from a deficit. It's a player who doesn't want to play for you that you really don't want to have around that you knew when he took the extension you weren't going to have around. And now you're trying to get, you know, dollar for dollar for his talent when we all know he's not – his trade value is not what his on-court value is at this point. So once the Sixers reach that level, then a deal will get done. But they haven't reached it yet because they're being a little stubborn because that's what you do. There's no deadline. Not yet, but there will be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's how this stuff works. It. Like, it's easy. You know, when we play 2K and we make trades on 2K, it's all <laughs> about just match it up, hit yeah. the button, and then it just goes, right? Yeah. But in real life, there's a lot more to making a deal and getting a deal done. Just, you know, just the nuances of the deal and also includes finances after it. Looking forward after it, how does this set us up later? There's so many discussions when it comes to a trade that it can be painful because so many times you just think straight up, that's easy, just do it, just shake hands and now it's over, right? What's all the what's all the fuss? Because you do your due diligence when you make a trade, yeah. because you never want to make the trade and then a month later go, oh, we didn't even think about that. Oh, we screwed up. We didn't even think. We right. didn't think about that, right? Like like Eddie Curry, that trade. We didn't even think about oh. protecting those draft picks. We had no idea we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We we'd still be in the lottery. Yeah. You always protect yourself. So, anyways, that's um, that's what I try to explain to fans about these situations. They're not as cut and dried as they look. Even though on paper, it makes sense for for the Knicks to put a player like that on their roster, in what they already have. I mean, that makes sense. But it's not just, just get the deal done. It doesn't matter. Oh, it does matter. It always matters. You have to think everything out. This is why these discussions are so important to me. Because I feel like everybody who listens, all the viewers, I see you guys in the chat, salute to the chat gang. Um, they, they, all, they all are interested in understanding the behind the scenes because it feels like they give them a little bit more of an understanding of how teams do business. But in reality, it's not that hard if you use a little bit more logic to it because logically some things won't work because certain things won't make sense like the Joel Embiid thing like we were talking about. Unless you're doing a massive yeah. type of trade, in which case you you're might be giving up way too much for a player and then maybe you get a team that you could do something with. But it's still more of a question well, mark than a lock, you know, at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Nets and the Sixers trading, getting hardened, right? Yeah. And that deal. And you say, well, they're in the same division. What do they, you know, why didn't they have hesitation? Well, it was because A, they wanted to get rid of a headache. Yeah. B, it was a way to also bring in picks, talent, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they had their headache in Ben Simmons. All right, we'll take a, we'll take a chance on Ben Simmons just so we can move on from this guy. You know, like that, that, it's a much different scenario than Joel Embiid is unhappy and demands a trade and says, send me to the Knicks. And the Sixers are like, well, we don't want to trade you. You're our franchise player. Um, and we don't want to see you play in New York. So how about we just find a better deal elsewhere? So we're going to send you somewhere else because you can't control where you're going. That's what I mean when people bring up Embiid to me. It's not that I wouldn't want him on the Knicks. It's not that the Knicks don't want him. It's I don't even know if they do. I'm just saying it's not if they do or don't. What I'm saying is, is every time I look at these situations, I always flip to the other side. It's the same thing in contract negotiations. How much a player's worth, like Emmanuel quickly. All right. Quickly situation is a very interesting one as we wait and see if he gets signed before Monday's deadline. And while as a fan, you love him 
and you want to see him stay a Nick forever. Mm -hmm. So you say, give him what he wants, right? Just, just sign him. Why can't you sign him? And if the Knicks don't sign him by the deadline, the immediate thought is the Knicks don't value him. That's not true. What you have to do is now take the other side. So while from a team side, you know the Knicks love him. They drafted him. They've developed him. The head coach loves him. Of course they want him. They have a starting point guard, right? So they know what quickly is for them. He's not going to ever replace Jalen Brunson. So you have to look at it from that perspective of where he is, but you still love him and you still want to take care of him. You have an owner that's never afraid and never shy to spend money, right? So it's not about being cheap. It's just about being logical. So we'd like to give you something that is above a market value for a backup point guard, but we love you so much we want to do it. And quickly side now is a business side. So now I think about it from if I was representing Emmanuel quickly, what would I do? Yeah. Well, I would say, well, there's a ceiling now with the Knicks because of Jalen Brunson. So he can't ever ascend to starting point guard because Brunson's there. Now he loves playing for the Knicks. He loves New York. He loves Tibbs. Like there's no reason to want to leave. There's yeah. no animosity. But from a business standpoint, well, I'll tell you what, bet on yourself this year quick. Bet on yourself, and then you'll be a restricted free agent. Here's the worst thing that happens. Teams that are out there, Orlando, you know, Chicago, who knows? Like teams that you know are always point guard desperate. And they might turn around and go, I'll give you an offer sheet. I don't think the Knicks are going to match it, but I'm going to give you a bigger number than a backup would get. And uh, so he pushes the Knicks now out. Now you sign a that bit. sheet, right? You sign that sheet, and then you put it back on the Knicks to say, "Well, we love you enough. We're going to pay that anyway, right? right?" So you're betting on yourself. So it. So if he doesn't sign, it doesn't mean the Knicks didn't want him. It means maybe he said, "What you've, what you see me at right now, I think I could do better on the open market." So I'd rather bet on myself. It's a gamble for him, a major gamble to go into restricted free agency. It really is. And for the Knicks, it's also a bit of a gamble because you might get stuck either having to let him walk or match a salary that you really don't want to have for him in your, you know, considering where he is. So there's business to it that I want people to understand. This is not a they don't love him, they don't care about him, he doesn't want to be here. That's not the drama that we need here. Trust me, this is not that. If you listen to what's being said by both sides, by Tibbs and by Quickly, they he wants to be here, they want him here, all that stuff. But the business part of it is a lot more complicated because I'm an agent and I think he can make more on the open market because there are teams that want to make him a starter because he proved last year in starting minutes that he can really put up numbers. And maybe he bets on himself this year and has another great year where he's sixth man of the year. Then what? He was runner up last year and arguably could have won it. Now, his playoffs weren't great, but it's playoffs. But if he has another good year, if he has another year like he did last year, and he's back there in the conversation for six men of the year. Are you going to tell me that there's not going to be a team or two out there that's going to be willing to throw some money down on Emmanuel quickly with the hopes that the Knicks won't want to match it? So that's what you got to think about the business side from the agent. And the agent doesn't deal in emotion, but quickly's emotion and the Knicks' emotion are that they want to stay together, they want to keep it together. So that's what I'm curious about seeing here. I don't think it'll be they don't want him or they don't want to pay him. I think it's more of 
he he might think better myself i could i can get a bigger number this offseason because for a player i mean this is your time and your 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 contract out of your rookie year out of your rookie deal is like that's your first big contract and it sets you for the rest of your career so we'll see we'll see where this goes it's going to be very interesting to me though and that, but that's why i, I yeah. explain it the way i explained it the mb thing all yeah. this stuff i try to bring the logic of it in for fans to understand right. it's not as simple as love and hate it really isn't it is really sometimes just about business and that one part that you mentioned that if the Knicks even maybe offered something and maybe quickly said, you know what, I like that, but I think I can do better and I'm going to play myself into that bigger deal. Because last year, like you said, I was runner up this year. I might be six man of the year. Let's see what happens. So right. especially with Brogdon yep. being moved over to Portland, I don't even know what his status is going to be in terms of playing. He might start. Who knows if he comes off the bench? Who knows if that entire thing is going to be? So I actually agree with you. We have a super chat uh, question from a fan here who says um, to you, Alan, in regards to you think a deal with quickly is going to get done. I think to your point, you kind of just answered that. Um, It really depends on where quickly feels his best fit is going to be for his value. Is it going to be yeah. staying with the Knicks or testing the unrestricted free agency market to see if another team can outbid the Knicks and if the Knicks would match it? It's really, it's really how much, how comfortable he would be to take the risk of turning down whatever is going to be offered or has been offered at this point. I mean, look, let's be, they're going to offer him or have offered him something. One of the, one of the two, okay. Either they already have, or they will. I can promise you that. I don't think I'm going out on a limb guessing that something's going to be offered. It's whether or not he looks at his agents and says, you know what, that's good enough for me. I want to be here, and I don't want to take a risk that I'm playing and something happens to me physically, and I just left that on the table. I don't want to make that mistake. He could say that. That's up to him, but it's up to his agents to advise him and say, I think you can do this. I think you can get this number. They're offering you this. I think we can get you up here, you know, but if you have another great year. And most players are confident in themselves and they believe in themselves and say, oh, I, I can have another year like that. That wasn't even my best year. So wow. that's what's compelling about this whole story is to see if he, if he takes the advisement of his agents, right, and just says, okay, well, let's do it. Yeah. Or if he just tells them, no, nah, what they offered me, I'm good. Well, I want to stay here. Let's just do this. And I want to get this off my head. I don't want this over hanging over me all season. I just want to like know that I'm here and, and forget about this process. As I said, we'll, we'll know, we'll know Monday night. And, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how this is going to go down. GT, thanks so much for the question. It was a great question. We really appreciate you guys. I have a lot of more questions for Alan, but you know what? If I keep talking to him, we're going to be here for three hours, and I can't keep Alan for three hours, okay? <laughs> he has a busy, busy life, but hopefully, Alan, if you can, for a few more minutes, you think you can answer some fan questions. We got the chat that's live. Yeah. They love you here. Uh, one of my questions from Let's one do of it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alan. One of my guys, Brutus, um, asked a question. Oh, my goodness. He asked the same question to Bill yesterday. He's been part of the chat. He's asking now about um, Bodan Bogdanovich. I assume the question's coming up because of the Evan Fournier situation, because obviously they're riding Evan Fournier going into the season. We don't know what his role is going to be when Thibs cuts the rotation down to perhaps a nine-man rotation again. Um, and then it's all eyes on the trade deadline. When I asked Bill this question yesterday, he believes that, you know, the Fournier contract will be an important thing to look at at the trade deadline. But he says, if you made a trade like this, how, whose minutes would you be taking away if you added a player like that? Are you on that same page as well, too? All right, so 
Yeah, yeah, I do that every time. So I'm glad Bill said it because I say the same thing whenever somebody does that to me. How about trade Fournier for this player? And I'm like, and then that player is not going to play because you have nine man rotation. Like I'm, I'm dead serious. Like you yeah. have a nine man rotation. We all know who they are. And the tenth man right now is Jericho Sims, who, by the way, you talk about a player that they have developed. He is getting better and better. So that's it. There's your tenth. And I ask people all the time. Take somebody out because you can't play 11 and 12. You can't. And then all these people are like, yes, you can. Look around the league. Look at the best teams in the league. They play eight guys exclusively. Nine and 10 at times will get you five minutes, two minutes, three minutes, whatever like that. And those guys have to be okay with those minutes. Like you don't, you can't play 12 players. So you'd love, people love names. Just trade Fournier for, you know, and they give you this, this player name. Yeah. It's like, okay, now that guy's going to come here and sit down. Like he's not going to play. Like, just understand that. Like it's that's why this is a good team. Right. I also start explaining that. That's how good the Knicks are. They have a really good three-point shooter, and he can't play. He can because he's not he's not playing over anybody. And I tell everybody this all the time: Who are you taking out? That's that's what you have to always say to yourself with these kind of deals. So I'm glad Bill said it. I'm with Bill Pito. You see, the uh, Brutus, this is twice you've asked me this question now, Brutus, okay? It's enough. He's not coming here because if he did, even though he's a great three-point shooter, where is he going to play? Just, where is he going to play? Next question we have comes from mm -hmm. Brandon here, Alan. Uh, he asks, how would you grade Leon Rose's tenure with the Knicks thus far? You actually, uh, he actually answered this already on uh, Knicks Fan TV when he was talking about, you know, the direction and where we are with uh, the team. Bob Myers yeah. actually even spoke to this and said he feels that if you look at where the Knicks were before the Rose administration came in and you compare it to that, it's better. I think the fans, though, Alan, the, when I talk to them a lot, their, their issue is that when you compare what Leon did to his contemporaries within the, or within the NBA right now, I think that's where fans have issues. So I'm curious, what is your take on Leon Rose's tenure thus far with the Knicks? Where do you stand on it? Well, I, all right. The grade that he should be given yeah. for what he's done so far with the Knicks since he took over is not a grade. Like when you, all right, when you grade students, do you grade them versus other students? Oh. Or do you grade them on the, the work, right? Like, what did they do? So we have to grade it on where the Knicks were when he came in. That's where it begins. When he came in, where was this franchise? What did it look like? How did it feel? And now compare it to, we're at, what, three, four years later, right? Yep. Now compare it to that, and where are they now? And that's why I'm like, at, at what A, like he's an A. Are you kidding me? And I, you think, see, don't take stability for granted. It's not as easy as you think. He has had to handle a lot of things, personalities. He has had to handle, like I said, the, the best movie ever made was Tom Thibodeau. It's the best movie made. Brought in a guy with, with credibility all around the league that is really good at getting a team organized and, and, and setting an identity, and that's what he has done with this team. And the players all get what he expects, They and the ones that can't fit in, they're out, and the ones that do, the team wins. You can't argue with winning. And so that's what I look at, is you, you hire a coach and you let him coach. How many front offices last year would have allowed a head coach 
after a slow start to the season, the way things were looking, and the coach is like, I'm going to make my rotation now. I'm going to do it my way, and you're not going to like it because that guy you gave $70 million to, I'm not playing him. And this other guy, the star that everybody loves in Derrick Rose, I can't play him because I've got some other players that I need to play because I think we can win with this group. And then he went 37-22. and 22. Can't argue it. But you, while Tibbs gets credit for having the, the stones to just say, all right, that's it. We're, gonna, we're doing it my way. I'm not going to cater to everybody. And because of your contract, you get to play. We're not doing that. It also takes a lot for somebody in the, in the role that Leon Rose is in to let that happen, knowing that some people, some people would say, boy, that, that Fournier deal, that was a terrible, terrible deal. Right. He's useless to you. So you wasted that money. That's a bad contract. That's a bad look on the front office. He doesn't care because, all right, who's perfect? Not everybody, but we're winning. I'd rather win. I'd rather win and make a mistake than we're losing, but I'm saving face because I can blame someone else. I can just say it's the coach's fault that, that they're losing instead of him saying, you know what, this guy just doesn't fit the way we want to play. So that takes a lot. And so I give Leon Rose a lot of credit for doing that. And I will also admit that while they have built a the stability, they have built a good roster with depth, the white whale's out there. He's still got to get them because when he came in, the belief was he was one of the most powerful agents in the NBA for a long time. He has connections everywhere. Yes. The expectation is at some point he will be able to land a superstar, and that's the white whale. And so we, we, that's the last part now is can he do it? Can he land the white whale that puts the Knicks now into championship contention? But just not forget that he took the Knicks out of the dregs of the lottery every year and just losing every year and being mocked every year and took them from that point to where they are now a credible – respected franchise and dare i say one of the most stable i know that's hard to believe stable <laughs> in the nba think about that that's does a lot what he's done in a short period of time yeah absolutely again alan i it's it's hard because i speak to the fans i talk to them on both sides i am a little bit on the side now where it's i'm kind of waiting for that move because i feel like I've been hearing the same thing where we've been, you, I think you said it last year with the Knicks in terms of where they were. I, th I forget how you put it. Treadmill of mediocrity. I forget how do you, exactly how you yep. phrased it, right? Yep. I think that's how it was. Shout out to my guy, Nickinator. I was talking mm -hmm. to him actually yesterday. He actually phrased that for me. And um, when we were talking about it, we, I figure now they made a move. They, they are where they are now. They, you know, they made slight upgrades, right, to the roster. They're still good, but they, I, are they are they better than they were last year because of the continuity? Are they still at the at that treadmill of mediocrity, or have they upgraded now to a different treadmill? I guess no, they're they're they're, they're better. They're better, of course. They're better. They're better because of the experience that they have together. I mean, yeah, you know the the the, the fact that Brunson became the revelation that he became. Nobody knew it. Like last year when I was staying this, when Donovan Mitchell didn't happen, and I I really felt like you know that that one slipped through their hands. You know that was one to do. You know everybody I talked to. Um, on Donovan's side, they were, he expected to be here. Yeah. And in the end, they would not pull the trigger, just like I was talking about the Paul George thing. You get a deal to the one-yard line, and then you read it all over. Read the fine print one more time, and then there's that one line. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> right. Like, there's always something, and then it's like, no, we're not doing it. And that takes a lot of patience. So 
that at that point, it's like, okay, if you don't get a star, you're going to be on that treadmill of obscurity. You know, this is in the NBA. That's the reality. But then Brunson comes in and he became a star. He should have been an all-star last year. We all know this. He was an instant. Like he became a star way better than anybody expected my myself as well. And I watched him in the playoffs. I covered the Western conference finals for ESPN two years ago. I saw him in the first round, what he did while Luca was out. And I'm like, yo, this guy's special. Yeah. So what he did in New York over a course of the season and in the playoffs, mind you, that that that's like, okay, they got something in this guy. And so it's him. It's a now a two-time All-NBA player in Julius Randle. Okay, so there's they've got that. They upgrade, yes, upgrade with DiVincenzo. The bench is better. The starting five was one of the was the highest scoring starting five in the NBA last season. So that's not an issue anymore. So it's it's now, okay. How do you get it to the next step? So that's I'm in agreement. So the you know, channel of obscurity, no, because of what Brunson was able to bring to the table. And how some of these young guys, you know, the, the quicklies and the and the grimeses and even Mitchell Robinson, you know, taking that step where you can see, okay, they've got a legit group here. You know, the Josh Hart trade, phenomenal trade. So now they're off that treadmill, but now you're in that, okay. We're not in the penthouse yet, but right. we still want to get up. We still got to get up to the higher floors, but we're not there yet. You need that guy, and that's the white whale, and that's the that's the last thing to me yeah. for, for Leon Rose. If he and his front office can ever pull off that move, you know, that would be the cherry on top for what has been for him. It's been a great transformation that he has brought to this organization. That's, that's how I see it. But, yes, last year, before knowing what Brunson was, there was that fear because they didn't get the star. But now it's like okay, no, no, they're they're not obscure. They're 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 a legit team. Yeah. But they still need the star to get them to the championship contender level, which this franchise has not been there in a very long time. As you guys have heard, it's breaking news. Alan Hanna just said they got off the treadmill. Off the treadmill. They are off. They are looking at the house. They're wondering how to get up to the top floor now. It's on Leon Rose. You heard it here first. I could keep going with him. I see you guys are blowing up the chat. I wish I could ask him all these questions, but he has a life and it's a Saturday. Okay, so let this man breathe. Let him live. Alan, thank you so much for all of your time. You gave me way more time. I want to let everybody know this. You gave me way more time than you were supposed to. I want to point that out and say how much you do for the community. Not only for my show, I see you for each and every podcast, the John Matthews of the world, CPs of the world, all these other podcasts as well that you do that don't get enough talk about. You're amazing. You definitely support the community. I wish that people are more like you because that helps everybody. I really appreciate you. Uh, Thank you. And I'm sure everybody there is just like disagreeing and saying I'm an idiot, but that's what I'm here for. (laughs) Throw the the tomatoes at me. It's fine. I'm I'm here for it because Years ago, I was doing the same thing, so it's all good. So I just I enjoy the season, though. I do think it's going to be a very good team. It is a tough schedule out of the gate, but the good news is, is to, to get out of what this. Just don't forget where this franchise was at one point, you know. And and now that you're on national TV all the time, you've got some really good players. You've got depth, competitive team, a competitive coach, and yes, as Bob Meyer said. People are looking now going, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, maybe I can fit there. And that's all it takes is that one star to say, that's where I want to be. I want to be there. And, and it can all change. So we'll see.
but this was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. You're always welcome. We've done this last year, this year now. It's starting to turn into a tradition because I got to say Han Solo at least <laughs> once before the season starts. I feel like it, it has to happen. So thank you again so much. Really appreciate you guys. The chat, you've been live and well. We thank you so much. Me and Han, we are out of here. You're going to catch him again on October 25th when we face Boston for the season opener. Until next time, guys, we're out of here.